over the next couple of weeks, um, for my part, I'm going to preach this week, and then we have two weeks on worship where, where Clive will be sharing with us. But when I share over this month, I'd like to um, talk to you about the mandate and vision that we have as a church. Of course, Jesus is the King. Jesus is the head of His church. Understand that. But we are rooted in Christ. Christ is the head of the church. But every local church has a unique expression of what God is doing through that local church. And that's what we would like to explore and talk through with you uh, in the next month. So that we all can be on the same page. We can all be moving in the same direction and giving ourselves wholeheartedly to the call that God has for this church. And uh, if you've been around for a while, you'll see that our little tagline, our vision statement, if you like, is rooted in Christ planted in family, and fruitful in life. Very simple summary of what we felt God give us a number of years ago. And so today I want to talk to you mainly about what it means to be rooted in Christ. Uh, And then over the next weeks we will talk about what it means to be part of a local church in general, and then specifically what it means to be part of this church family. And we'll look at that as well. And then thirdly, uh, God gives every local church a revelation of his gospel, but the working out of that gospel into a local community is unique, and each church has a different vision and strategy based on their gospel theology, based on how they see the gospel working into their specific community. And that is affected by the different blend of people in the church, the the unique gifting that the church has, how that is worked out. So also over the next number of months, the, the various people that are leading ministries in this church the ministry team leaders will share something about what they feel in terms of the strategy that God has been giving us as a leadership team over the next six to nine months. And so we're going to be progressively working through a whole lot of, of things together on Sundays. And I really trust uh, as, as far as town, as we begin to explore fully what it means, the priesthood of all the believers, uh, we trust that everybody is going to find their place in an amazing way as God brings his word to us into this broken world in which we live. And that really is the third part of our mission statement. We want to see fruit. We want to be fruitful people. Uh, whatever area of gifting God has given you, whatever area of talent that God has given you, as we were encouraged with this morning, we want to see our spheres of influence, our own lives, count for God, count for His kingdom. And uh, whether you are in the banking sector in London, whether you're a teacher, whether you're a physiotherapist, whether you're an architect, whatever you are doing, how does your life count for God? And how how does he want to work through you into the community of your friends and family, um, using you in the most powerful way? And so we want to consider our mandate. We want to consider what God's called us to do. But it's also, at the same time, we want to consider the prophetic word that God has spoken uh, over us for the season. And we've already started praying into that as we did this morning. And I want to remind you of that uh, prophetic word that Helen brought a couple of Sundays ago. Uh, There are some things that we need to do as a local church. Well, what do we need to do? Any church needs to pray. Any church needs to encourage each other. Churches need to worship together. Churches need to sit under God's Word. Those are the things that we can do. But there are some things that only God can do as we respond by faith to His Word. And He does a whole lot more. We can plant the seed, but the seed, we can't make it grow. God makes it grow, all right? So as we respond by faith to the seed of what God speaks, we will start to see... The fruits. And so, remember, Joel, uh, Helen had this picture out of Joel, uh, this picture of a rainbow over this church community with each band of color representing a promise from God, like a banner over us. And uh, those things, she, she said she felt God would do simultaneously, not just one at a time, but all together. And we begin to see his hand at work 
And those promises has, have nothing to do with our worthiness, our feelings of worthiness, but only on God's faithfulness. And I don't know about you, but I could feel this morning, even in the worship, as I was leading the worship, there's a something different happening. Can you feel it already? It's amazing. You can feel it. I, I, could, I can sense it just in the way that people were responding in worship. And uh, I believe it's because of what God is doing. God is bubbling things in people's hearts. God is germinating stuff in everyone's life. And so, just to summarize that word quickly, um, that it would be a season of rejoicing and fruitfulness uh, in our lives, in rejoicing in God's Word, and that's what we prayed into this morning. It would be a season of provision, and there were four things, the rain, the wine, the oil, and the wheat, the rain of the Holy Spirit, the wine representing God's joy, the oil representing His anointing, and the wheat, His daily provision in our lives that we would have daily provision. And then thirdly, she said that she felt God speak about a season of rest- restoration, restoring lost vision, lost passion, lost hope, lost relationships even, lost love, and that God is going to do that in the most extravagant way with us. Not in a little kind of drip, drip, drip way, but an extravagant way. He's going to pour that out upon, upon us. And coming out of that then, a season of, of, of an outpouring of God's Spirit, that all his people will have a personal revelation of, of God's heart, and that from this place there would be a commissioning out into the community and the things that he's prepared for all of us to walk in. And also a season of salvation, that anyone who calls on the name of Jesus will be saved. And I want to just point you always as a constant reminder to those stacks of empty chairs at the back there, and we've had those chairs for many years, and I am convinced that God is still going to fill those chairs with people who are not yet saved. And that's what I hold on to. Every time I preach from this point and I look out of those empty chairs, God reminds me of the many people He still wants to save into His kingdom. And I trust you'll make it a, a prayer point for you that we can begin to unstack those chairs and, and see many saved and this place filled with new believers. Amen? And so I feel as we're considering this word, we never want to despise prophecy. The, 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 the Bible encourages us not to do that, not to despise prophecy, not to dismiss it, because then it doesn't have its full work in us. And so we really, in a, in a concentrated way, want to pray through, together with you, the whole church, over the next months, that prophetic word, and trust God to see those things happen. Yeah, that we see them, each of us taking our part, and as we pray it through, they would see God begin to uh, fulfill those things. So some of you have asked for a copy of that word, and we have some copies if you'd like to take them away with you. We're going to get it up on the webpage as soon as we can, and you can then, during the week, also make it time of your devotions and prayer. Um, And so I'm really excited just to see something of what God is doing. All right. Trust that you are. And then as a leadership team, we've been talking about uh, other things that we need to be doing. And as a season of uh, tending our roots... We want to go back and consolidate some basic foundational things that we feel we need to address and value as a church community. And so we're going to do two things. I'm going to continue my series on Mark for the rest of the year, but we're going to break it up. And along the way, we're going to have different things that we're going to bring in this Tending Our Roots series. And the first thing we're going to start with is worship. We're going to look at what the Bible says about worship. And uh, we're going to do that over the next couple of weeks. And then at the end of March, we've got Michael Eaton coming. And Michael is going to do a whole weekend on prayer, Jesus' model of prayer. Another basic, basic thing we need to root ourselves in is how do we pray and what did Jesus have to say about prayer. And I really want to encourage you that you would make that a priority for your own prayer life, your own 
foundational prayer life of, in, in, your, in your own life, what does the Scripture say about prayer? We also want to have a look at spiritual gifts over the course of this year. Uh, how can we evangelize? How can we be more effective in sharing our, our faith? And I have a good friendship with uh, Chris Lane from the Vineyard. And one thing the Vineyard has done very, very well over the last 20 years, they've seen lots of people saved. Lots and lots of people saved. So in June, I've asked Chris Lane to come for a weekend, and he's going to come on the Friday to share with all of the leaders and whoever wants to be there, and on the Saturday, just about how we can share our faith more effectively. And he'll preach again on the Sunday. So another thing to look forward to. So we're trying to raise up preachers in this church that will preach the truth of the Word of God, and we're trying to get other people in that are our friends, that can help us uh, in areas that we lack to build into the foundation of this church. All right? And so that's what we're going to be doing over the next year. So those two things. Mark series, getting to know Jesus, and tending our roots. The series that will go alongside that, and we'll look at those basic things together. So then today, let me just um, look at what it means to be rooted in Christ. And perhaps there are a number of different groups of people here this morning. Maybe there are some here today, I know there are many here today that have been Christians for many, many years. And I pray that God would reaffirm and strengthen you in your understanding of what it means to be in Christ this morning. Uh, perhaps there are those here that are new to the Christian faith, that you're learning what it means to be a Christian. And I pray also that this message will encourage you and comfort you as you take the next step of faith in your life. And perhaps there's some here this morning who are just saying, well, I don't really know what this Christianity thing is all about. Well, I pray that God would speak to you personally this morning, that you would know His peace that you'd know His grace and you would know salvation ultimately. So what does it mean then to be rooted in Christ, rooted in Jesus? I want to look at two scriptures that God gave us uh, over the last years. The first is out of Ephesians. And if you would like to read with me, we're going to look at Ephesians 3 verse 14. And it's simply Paul praying for the Ephesian church. And he says this. He says, For this reason... I bow my knee before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. And according to the riches of His glory, He may grant you to be strengthened with power through the Holy Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ might dwell in your heart through faith. That you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses all knowledge, that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. Wow, we could spend months in this portion. So rich, just what God is trying to say to the Ephesian church, and what God would say to us through what Paul prays for this church. And so the first image that Paul uses is that as Christians we belong to God's family. And I want to just say that as a church, we are trying to model family. We're trying to say, you become part of a church community, not by ticking some boxes and by saying, well, I do that, I do that, I do that, therefore I belong. When you belong to a family, there are some things that automatically are in your heart, and because they are in your heart, you join with others with that same heart. And we're not trying to say we need to tick boxes to be part of God's family. We're saying we're in Christ. That means we're part of God's church. But what does it mean to be part of this family? What do we value as this family? What makes us tick? What, what, do, what do we want to say these are the most important things that we hold to? Are you with me? 
That's what we're going to be looking at. And so he has some promises for us in this, in this um, amazing portion, this prayer of Paul. He says that as Christians belonging to God's family, we can know our Father in a personal way, in a special way. We can have an intimate relationship with Him. And our prayer is that every single one of you that is a member of this church would know God in a personal way. That's the, that's the starting point, to know Christ. To know the fullness of Christ, to know what it means to be in Him. And that's what I would try and like to des- describe to you this morning. He says we can know Christ and we can know God in, a, in the sense of His provision. That's the first thing. It says according to the riches of His glory. He provides for every one of us that we would know His provision. Secondly, His power. He says that we can be strengthened with power through the Holy Spirit in our innermost being. And we want to see more and more of the Holy Spirit poured out upon us. More times of just worship where we can respond to God in a spontaneous way. More power, more healing, more salvation. All of these things that are only possible by the Holy Spirit in us, yes? Not us trying harder. It talks thirdly about His presence, that Christ might dwell in your heart through faith. That's the other thing we can experience. And then the sense of His permanent love, His all-pervading permanent love that changes our identity and our destiny. Being rooted and grounded in love is what Paul says. And to know the love of Christ that surpasses all knowledge. This is the key about being a Christian. Being a Christian is not just trying to fix you up to be a better person. We don't want to preach self-help, how to become a better person. No, being a Christian means you are a completely new person. The old is gone and the new is come. The old is dead, the old is buried, and the new is come. There's a new end that was not here before. But because I've died with Christ, I'm made new. I'm not just trying to fix up the old one. The old one is gone. He's dead. The new is resurrected in Christ. God has a new identity for us once we are in Him. Not just trying to fix you up and make you better. He makes you completely new. He makes all things new. Amen? And so his purpose, that you might be filled with the fullness of God. So those things are promises out of Ephesians. His his provision, his power, his presence, his pervading love for us. And our purpose, ultimately, is that we are filled with the fullness of the full measure of God. The second little scripture I want to look at with you is Colossians chapter 2, please. If you just look there. And these two scriptures summarize why we've chosen this thing of rooted, planted, and fruitful. Colossians 2 verse 6 says, Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, so walk in Him, rooted and built up in Him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. All right? So that's the other portion that uh, God used to speak to us about this mandate that He has for us as a local church. And so I want to just focus on some key words. The first word is that we received Christ. That's the p- first thing that Paul says right into the Colossian church. So the first thing we want to see as our mandate is that many would receive Christ as their Lord. Many would receive Jesus. And that means you personally choose to make Jesus the one that you live for. It means you personally choose to put him above everything else in your life because of what he's done for you on the cross. It's a personal choice. And the Bible says, uses various phrases, to be born again is one of them. To be saved is another. To come to faith is another. They all describe the same thing. It means that 
though all of us at one time were born physically from our mothers, God has a second birth for us. You must be born again. There's a spiritual birth that comes when we accept Christ, and that He's made a way for us to know our Father's love for us and the Father's forgiveness. And the whole point of Jesus' death on the cross is that our shame, our failings, our selfishness, all those things that separated us from God, they were judged and dealt with once and for all on the cross, and Jesus took the punishment that we deserve, and so that we, that those that were guilty, we that were guilty could be made right with God. That is a summary of the gospel that we hold to. Alright? So, becoming a Christian, being born spiritually as God's child is a simple act of saying that you choose to trust in what Christ has done for you. And you receive Him as Lord. It's a simple, simple thing. Just as, as Mike has cho- chosen to respond to what God is saying for his life, all of us have to choose to respond what Jesus has already done for us and rest in what Jesus has done for us. This is what it means to be a Christian. And so that's the first thing that Paul encourages us, that we would receive Jesus as Lord. And if you have not received Jesus as Lord, or if you are on a journey of discovering what it means to receive Jesus as Lord, I want to encourage you. We want to journey with you. I would rather this place is full of people questioning and saying, what is this all about, than it being part of a whole lot of frozen people who are just convinced that they know what everything is about, and they don't want to embrace anybody else. What is the point? (laughs) Yes? A church that is growing is going to be messy. It's going to have lots of people coming and saying, what is this thing about? And that's what we want. Because as the kingdom comes in the community and more people begin to say they want to understand who Jesus is, we can begin to see people saved. Amen? So let, let church be a bit messy. Yes? They'll be full of asking, questioning people. That's what churches should be. And so... Paul encourages us to receive Christ. And then once he's done that, the other thing he says is walk in him. Walk in him. And this is the wonderful thing. I'm an Arsenal supporter, and I was devastated yesterday at Liverpool singing, you'll never walk alone. All right? Okay? I've said it. (laughs) You'll never walk alone. But this is the truth about Jesus. Once you're in Jesus, you never walk alone. He's always with you. You no longer have to make your own way in life and struggling to make sense of things. We find ourselves on a journey with Jesus. And as we learn to keep in step with Him, and in step with His Holy Spirit, as Michael Eden has encouraged us, walk in the Spirit deliberately, and you'll fulfill all the things that God has for you automatically. Just hear what the Spirit says for your life. You don't have to try hard. You just let God lead you by His Spirit. And a friend of mine from Los Angeles uh, Alan Fry uses this phrase. He talks about the unforced rhythms of God's grace. I love that. When you're walking with the Spirit, it's not a forced thing. It's unforced. As you just learn to hear Him, you can begin to journey with Him, and it's an easy thing. It's not a thing of striving. It's an unforced rhythm in our lives. I want to encourage you with that. We are called not only to be those that receive Jesus, but to walk with Him. The third thing that um, Paul encourages the Colossian church, he says, that you are rooted Rooted. And Christianity is not a, a superficial thing. It's not an external thing. It's not a religious morality. That's not what Christianity is about. It's about a truly transformed life. 
And that's why I try to encourage you just now. It's, it's not um, adhering to moral principles to make yourself better. It's not trying to 10 steps to becoming a fulfilled person. It's about a completely new person that God is making you into, that God has made you into. And so, this is the truth. We are rooted in Christ because once we were far off, we were far away from Him. The Scripture says we were hostile to Him. We were His enemies, but now He has brought us near. He's made us His children. We are forgiven, and because we are forgiven, we no longer have to strive for His approval. We no longer have to say, God, I'm going to try really hard to, to win your approval. We already have His approval because of Christ, and we need to let our roots go deep in our understanding of what Jesus has already done for us and He's already declared over us that we are forgiven, we're made new, we're on a journey, and those things become a deeper and deeper reality in our lives. Take a breath. Okay, I know I'm loud, eh? but that's, you know that by now, right? I'm not trying to be loud, I just am loud. So, we walk in Him, we receive Him, we walk in Him, we are rooted in Him. And then Paul encourages further, and he says, we are built up in Jesus, built up in Christ. What does that mean? Well, it's a metaphor of engineering. It's a metaphor of building. This is a building metaphor. There's something being constructed that is a building in our lives. The picture is that. And our journey of faith in Christ begins like a building site. All of those of you that are engineers... And sometimes when you're building something, they're reconstructing the Watford High Street at the moment. There's rubble everywhere. There's diggers digging out soil, and they're putting in paving at the same time, and there's concrete slabs being laid. And it sometimes looks like there's more rubble than building. There's more pipes, random pipes, than plumbing that's been put in place. And sometimes don't our lives feel like that. Mine does sometimes. More rubble than building. More pipe work lying all over the place than actually doing what it should be doing. Do you ever feel like that, or am I the only one? Well, you're all lying. (laughs) But this is the thing. We don't have to be afraid. Why? Because God is the master builder. He's the great architect. He's the one who's constructing us in the image of His Son. And He has promised, Jesus said, the work that He's begun in your life he will bring to completion. It is a promise for you. What He started with you, He will finish. He will complete. Doesn't that make you just feel, oh, thank you, Jesus. You can just relax, enjoy your life, live your life, and Jesus is building you into the image of His Son, the master builder. The problem is, sometimes we want to be the builder. Sometimes we want to add our own extension. Sometimes we want to make our own plan. And most of us who have walked with Jesus for a while know that when you try and build your own little addition, your own conservatory that you are planning, it only leads to pain. (laughs) It just leads to pain when you do it yourself. We need to learn to trust what God is doing, even if it's not the way we think it should be done, or even when it doesn't make sense to us at the time. We trust in God's master plan for our lives. It's a, it's a thing of humility. It's bowing our knee and saying, God, you are sovereign. I'm not. I'm learning to understand that more and more. Okay, so we are built up in him. And then it says, Paul carries on and he says, we are established in the faith. Established in the faith. And this is what I believe God would say to all of us. Our Father wants us to grow and become mature. I love having boys, having children is brilliant, 
but I don't want my boys to be in nappies at 17. There would be something wrong. There would be something abnormal if my children were still in nappies and needing to be fed at 17. We all want our kids to grow into mature adults. We all want our kids to take responsibility for their own destiny and that they are healthy, well-rounded, mature, responsible adults. That's what we want. We want them to be a positive contribution to the community, don't we? And so, that's what God has for us as well. He wants us to grow up and be mature, well-rounded, healthy Christians that are going to make a contribution to His kingdom. That we are not going to be those that are more problems than we are solutions. Yeah? I'm not putting that as a thing of perfection. Of course, we we are imperfect people. But the, the tone of where we're going is that we want to be a blessing to other people. As we get fixed up, we become a blessing to other people more and more and more. And so the Bible says that God wants us to be established in our faith. And that means that He doesn't want us always to be doubting Him. He doesn't want us always to be questioning Him. He doesn't always want us to be cynical about Him, never sure whether He is who He promised He would be, and never sure that He is faithful. (laughs) We've got to be convinced of those basic things if we are rooted in Christ. And so, the Scripture says that faith comes from hearing God and the Word of God. And so as we root ourselves in His Word, we begin to understand who He is, His character, and more and more, we are transformed into the likeness of His image. I love uh, Alan is a part of our home group, Alan and Jenny, and he said this in our life group this last week. He said, God cannot not be faithful. You hear what he's saying? God cannot not be faithful to be anything else would be to go against his nature. Isn't that beautiful? God is always faithful. Why? Because it's his nature always to be faithful, even when we aren't faithful. So God wants to settle us some things in our hearts, that he's trustworthy, he's true, he is good, and he's our best interests in heart. That means That's what it means to be established in faith. And then Paul continues. I've got a couple more things to say. Paul continues and says, that we do all of this just as we were taught. Just as we were taught. See, Christian maturity doesn't just come by osmosis. You don't just absorb Christian maturity by being around other Christians. It comes by choosing some things that God begins to help you root yourself in. What are some of those things? It comes by choosing to be humble, to have a humble heart. Saying, Jesus, I have much to learn about yourself and about God the Father, and I don't have full revelation about everything. That's how we always need to be. Always learning about what God has to teach us. Always having a humble heart. It comes by choosing to sit under preaching of the Word in your local church and hearing what God is saying to you as an individual and to me as an individual and making sense of how that fits in with the emphasis that God has for that particular community that you have made to be your spiritual home. That takes humility. That takes saying, yeah, okay, I'm going to listen. I'm going to find your heart for me, Lord. And I'm going to get that trust that that fits in to the big picture of what you're doing with all of these people. And thirdly, it means taking time to set aside and to read and to reflect on God's Word in your daily life. And I encouraged you a couple of weeks ago, if you, I, I like to walk and think and pray, and I talk a lot when I'm walking with Helen. 
And that's how God encourages us. That's how God refreshes us. That's how, uh, that's what works for me. I'm not saying you have to do that. You find a way for you. But there must be some place in your life where you've taken God's Word and you're reading God's Word for yourself and you reflect on it and you chew it over and you say, God, what are you saying to me? Yes? This is not legalism. This is just becoming a son. This is becoming a disciple of Jesus. We don't want to just be believers. We want to be those that believe who are becoming disciples of Christ. And then lastly, Paul says, we should abound in thanksgiving. I love that word, abounding in thanksgiving. It means when something's abounding, it's uncontainable, it's overflowing, it's a continual thanksgiving that flows from our hearts. I've been interested on Twitter and Facebook, there's this thing at the moment called 100 Days of, ha- of Happiness. What's it called? Happy 100 Days of Thanksgiving. And people are committing themselves on Twitter and Facebook to say one, one, one thing a day that they are thankful for and to post that. I think that's a good thing. <laughs> I'm not saying we all need to do it, but if you want to do it, go ahead and do it. But um, why, why? Thanks, thankfulness, when we, when we get into a habit of thanking God for His goodness in our lives, it stops us become cynical, it stops us become, becoming self-pitying, it stops us from, from becoming resentful. When we just start to say, thank you for what we already have, and what God has already done. And then we continue to see His hands at work. If we give in to cynicism, if we give in to self-pitying, we just become overwhelmed by our circumstances. And God wants us to be abounding in thanksgiving. My dad phoned me yesterday. Uh, my, my brother phoned me yesterday. My dad um, is an older gentleman now. He's in his 80s, and he was uh, at a four-way stop in South Africa. And he went, took out, and someone hit him in the side of his car so fast that the car spun around like that. Uh, and uh, he's got whiplash. But the first thing he said to me, he said, I'm so glad that God kept my life. <laughs> he just said, I'm so glad that God kept my life. I'm so glad no one was killed. No one was badly injured. I just thought, that's amazing. He could have complained. He could have said, my car's written off. Uh, he could have said a whole lot of stuff. All he said, first thing he said was, I'm thankful still to be alive. Isn't that wonderful? Wonderful attitude. We've got so much to be thankful for. And giving thanks, I want to put it strongly to you, giving thanks is actually a statement of faith. Did you know that? Every time you give thanks, you're declaring with faith that you believe God is who He says He is. And it's, uh, that's what we want. We want to be faithful people. How many of you know that the only way you can grow in faith is to exercise faith? How do you exercise faith? Well, when you've been trusting for breakthrough in your job for two years and it still hasn't come, every day you get out of bed, you have to exercise faith in the goodness of God and say, Jesus, I'm trusting you that you're still good to me. That's faith. That is faith. And we have to learn to say that in all weather conditions, isn't it? <laughs> I, I find it hard. In the, in, I, 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 I'm not making excuses, but I really do gen, genuinely battle in January and February. When there's no sun, I really struggle. I do. I think it's that sad thing, is it? Is that what it's called? And as soon as the sun shines, I'm like a lizard. I just get out of the house and I stand. <laughs> Give me some vitamin D or whatever it is. And then I feel better. Isn't that amazing? I heard you get these lights now that you can switch on, and they wake you up in the morning like the sun rising. Perhaps we should invest in one of those. Make me feel better. A thankful heart knows that all is good in our lives, and all that is good in our lives come from God, 
and all that is difficult and painful, he will use for our good if we love him. I want to tell you an amazing testimony. Should I tell it today? I'm going to tell it in faith. Okay. We, uh, you know what we went through with Matthew in our our family Um, last year. It was a very difficult time for us. And every year I have my my mortgage reviewed. I've got a delightful chap from Stanmore, a young Jewish guy called James. What? Okay, if you don't know what happened last year, if you're visiting this morning, my son, my eldest son who played drums this morning, developed a brain tumor in his left temporal lobe and he had to have an operation. He was having seizures and he he had an operation and the brain tumor was successfully removed last year. And he is, um, as you can see, he's doing brilliantly, brilliantly well. God did an amazing thing for us as a family. But every January, my, my mortgage advisor, a guy called James Kaplan, he phones me just to review my mortgage. So he just uh, sent me an email and said, Ant, how was your year? Your mortgage is up for review. Do you want to talk about anything? So I just told him in a couple of lines what had happened with Matthew. And so he phoned me back in half an hour. He said, I just want to check something, but I seem to remember that you have critical illness cover. And I think it also applies to your children. Just give me half an hour, and I'll phone you back. And I said, great, thanks, James. He phones me back in half an hour, and he says, you have got critical illness cover for your children up to the age of 18 as part of your mortgage deal. Did you know that? So I said, no. He said, well, here's the amazing thing. Here's the amazing thing. It covers benign brain tumors. There's a specific clause that says they'll pay us out if it comes through in the next couple of weeks we will be paid out enough money to put Matthew through university without taking a loan. You know what the amazing thing is? My, the terms of my, my mortgage changed in the January. There was a, they changed the clauses of my mortgage in the January of the year that he started having seizures. The January of the year. God knows everything. God makes all things work together for good for those who love Him. It is amazing. You can say if all you want is coincidence. You just say, I, I wasn't clever enough to think of that. God is amazing. God, and I want to say there's a testimony for you. There's a story for you. God has something for you. We all have our stories how God is moving in life. So I want to ask you to pray with us because we'll know in the next four to six weeks, but there's no reason it shouldn't be paid out and we're just trusting God in His goodness to us. Amen? Amen? So then, thankfulness is an antidote to fear. It's, a, it's a, a statement of faith. It's a powerful act of courage. And it's a habit of being thankful. And when we start to have a habit of being thankful, we start to see the world from God's perspective. And I want to encourage you. Those scriptures are really why we have been talking about this thing for years now. Being rooted in Christ, planted in the family, and fruitful in life. And that summarizes why we arrived at that little mission statement. So I just want to look finally then, if that's what it means to be rooted in Christ, how are we rooted in Christ? Well, the Holy Spirit draws us, and uh, His kindness comes to us, and because His kindness comes to us, He gives us the gift of repentance so that we can be born again. So it all starts with Christ, it all starts with, with our Father. But as I said to you, He doesn't just want us to be converts, He wants us to become disciples. And so this is how we root ourselves in Christ, all the things that Jesus has done. First way, we root ourselves through worship. Through worship. 
We love to gather as a church family. We love to get together in smaller groups, in life groups we call them, in each other's homes. We love to get together with each other for meals and just to hang out with each other. And every time that we do that, we are expressing our love for God and our enjoyment of Him and our enjoyment of each other. So every time we get together on a Sunday, we want to spend time in worship, just singing, just saying, for this hour, I've got no other preoccupation in my mind. I'm not thinking about the rugby that's coming later. Sorry, Wales. I warned you last week, though, didn't I? It was too close last week. (laughs) We don't want to get distracted by that. We want to say, for this hour, Father, we're going to worship you. We're just going to focus on you. We're going to joyfully hear from you. And as we do that, we trust that we become more and more like him. His presence changes us. And so, Clive will be sharing in the next couple of weeks Tending the root of worship. Tending the root of worship. Cultivating the root of worship in our life. What does it mean? What does it look like? All right? And then we are rooted through his word. And if you're part of this church, we have given lots of time to preaching. Because I believe preaching is how God changes us. And one of the major ways that God transforms us. By the preaching of his word. The scripture says we are washed by the water of the word. And I don't know if you know how blessed we are as a church to have had in the last three years regularly Michael Eaton, Artie Kendall, Andrew Ollerton, and others that are great preachers of the Word of God that can help us understand what God says in His Word. This is the highest importance to us, that um, we are transformed from one degree of glory to another. And so, teaching, sitting under the teaching of the Gospel keeps us free from the bondage of legalism on the one hand, Living by rules, if you'd like. That's working for God's favor. That's religion. That's what religion is, is working for God's favor by being doing the right thing. And uh, we, we want to keep people free of legalism. You are free from those things because of what Christ has done. But on the other hand, God wants us to be free of licentiousness, on the other hand, which is just living to please ourselves. It's saying, I'm just going to do my own thing. I could call that irreligion. So God wants to keep us free from religion, from being bound up by religious duty. He wants us to be free from licentiousness, just living for ourselves, not caring about God's church or His people, just going off and doing our own thing. That's licentiousness. He wants us to have a radical middle. And I don't say it's compromise when I say it's the middle. It's the radical middle of the gospel. And the gospel is because of what Christ has done and how He set us free. We can live for others joyfully. We can walk by the Spirit. And it's a thing of joy and liberty and freedom in our lives. It's a radical thing. That's what the gospel is. And we want to try and continue to root the whole church in that through the Word of God. And then, thirdly, we root ourselves in Christ through prayer and through the ministry of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit ministers powerfully, wonderfully, more wonderfully than we ever could. We want to give the Holy Spirit time to to brood over us when we are in our corporate meetings. Just to sit under His presence and let Him transform us. Uh, Give space for the prophetic. Give space for prayer in in our... in our times. We've used this uh, phrase over and over. We want to pe- be people of the Word, but also people of the Spirit. You think that is an easy thing? It's not an easy thing. Because often in churches, people that love the Word don't love the Holy Spirit. They uh, get sc- scared when the Holy Spirit moves. And uh, quite often, people who are very into the Holy Spirit don't like the preaching of God's Word. There is a radical middle. The radical middle of the Gospel is we are people of the Word, And we are people of the Spirit. We give room to both. And we enjoy both. 
And so we want to give space for us to learn to be more and more and more open to what God is saying. Every time to get to God get, we get together. What about the prophetic word? What about praying for the sick? What about what God is saying uh, through the worship, through the prayer, so that God can move miraculously with us? I'm nearly finished, and I am nearly finished. And so we're trying to make prayer part of our integral part of our meetings. And I want to encourage you, if you'd like to join us, we pray before the meeting uh, at 9 o'clock up in the, the room over there. It's not a closed thing. Anyone who would like to, to it's not exclusive. Anyone who'd like to join us, we pray from 9 to 9.30. We seek God's heart for this, this time. We say, God, what are you saying? And uh, what do you want to do this morning? You're welcome to join with us. We want to pray more and more during our meetings that we learn to pray together to respond to what God has said. And obviously there are corporate times when God will call us together as a church to pray for, for specific things. And we want to do that with all of our hearts. We want to do that with faith and that God would have his way with us. And then lastly, that's the four ways, right? We're rooted through worship, rooted through his word, rooted through prayer and the ministry of his Holy Spirit. And fourthly, we are rooted and remind ourselves of our need of Jesus every single time that we break bread together. That's the other foundational thing that we want to do often and as often as we can is to break bread together. I want to encourage you in your life groups that you're breaking bread together regularly. Why? Because every time we break bread, we're reminding ourselves of our need of Jesus, that we cannot do it on our own. It's Him who saves us. We point ourselves back to the cross. Every time we, we find ourselves anxious that we're trying to do something in our own strength. We need to point ourselves back to the cross and remind ourselves and say, actually, it's not my self-effort right now. It's Jesus. Jesus has done this all for me. And so we remind ourselves every time that we break bread that he is transforming us from the inside out by the power of his Holy Spirit. And that is our confidence. That is our assurance that when we mess up, how many of you messed up this week? Anyone? All right. When you mess up, I want to encourage you, the first place you run is not away from God's table, is not away from the cross. When you mess up, the first place you run is to the cross. The first place you and I run, when we need to know the grace of God, we run back to His arms, we run to the cross, and we run to the breaking of bread. Receive His grace and receive His mercy in our time of need. Amen. So that's what it means to be rooted in Christ. And that, I've tried to paint a picture this morning of what we're trying to hold to, one of the things we're trying to hold to.